Either way, I'm taking over. <laughs> oh, shit. hold on, hold on, hold on. That sucks. Wait a minute. Uh, I have to. Why did that not work? None of that recorded. <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay, Hopefully. we're rolling on that one now. <laughs> it's cool. still going. I don't know. I mean, the 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 intro worked so well last time. You uh. No, it's yours. <laughs> it's yours. I liked it though. I liked what you did. It was good. Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in here with you from Hood River. I'm Keith Feltner-Smith, and ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. The co-host, not host, you're not taking my throne, Christopher Joseph Burkhart. How are you, sir? I'm all right. Now you just said I'm the co-host. It's sweet. I'm not guesting on this bad boy anymore. I'm just taking over. It's official. It's official. Yeah, we'll, we'll move you up one ladder, uh, one rung up the ladder. Uh, I'm Sweet. good with that, man. Uh, anyway, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, man. Uh, Keith, 10 take Smith over here. <laughs> we went from two take, three take. Now we're up to 10 take. Gotta look, come prepared, my friend. It's not even. Oh, man. It, this is. Okay, look. This is the off season. I'm in the middle. I'm still in the middle of moving. It's been months of it, but we're. It's in like round round three, phase two, part B of of moving again uh i know i've been telling you you need to you need to make this more of a uh a, a vlog as well get some youtube videos associated with it but you're not <laughs> going to do that as long as you have those half unpacked boxes in the background yeah it will I mean, it'll happen eventually and you know so we we officially get the keys to our new place i think september 10th and so then the and, uh yeah and it's a good thing you're getting out of this one because remember last time we filmed this podcast and you you heard some scratches <laughs> coming from inside the wall <laughs> And you like for those of you who didn't see or hear, like he's like, "Hey, I'll be right back." And he pauses the recording. He gets up and he's like, "I gotta go." My dog's scratching at the door, and he gets up and leaves. And I'm watching the video because we're on Skype, and his dog's behind him, and his dog follows him out the door. And then he's like, "That's really weird. It wasn't my dog, but I heard scratching like on the wall." I'm like, "I think you got some squirrels or rats or something living in them walls." So good thing you're getting out. I didn't even realize that Q was on camera. Like he like left the room with me. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, no, it's, uh, no, it's the, the rental has been fine. It's the squirrels in the walls have not been too big of a deal. Uh, haven't popped up too often. It is awfully close to the highway though. I'm not sure if you can hear much of this that's outside the window there, but there's Cannot. there's a lot of big semis, and uh, well, I'm, I'm glad it doesn't show up on the recording, but yeah, it's, we're, we're not even moving too far. It's almost around the corner from here, but it's further from the highway. It's a much nicer place, and we're going to own it again. No more throwing rent money down the down a black hole of nothingness. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have, have, a, have our own place, so it'll be good, but nice. it has been a constant transitional period for a good while now. Uh, making habits is hard. Running on time is generally hard for me anyway, and right now it's obviously even worse. But, Chris, the delay, you know, like, okay, so, and as far as the rain behind, we were going to record yesterday. Uh, I canceled on that at the last minute because I just had, I was trying to get all the errands done before we head out of town next week. Uh, we were going to record, I, I told you we were going to record earlier today, going to get it done, get it started earlier, so then maybe I could even edit today and try and uh, accelerate the whole process we are back to recording later than we usually do uh on an afternoon so a day behind and a couple hours after but the point here is that delaying the pod was good 
because it let the Blazers catch up today. If we had recorded yesterday, we wouldn't have had this latest update that I am personally really excited about, uh, excited about because I almost had to be a Brooklyn Nets fan, Mr. Burkhart. <laughs> <laughs> despite my all my least favorite players in the NBA being in one city, despite James Harden, the like the biggest villain, the biggest heel the NBA has at this point, I would never root for him. And we've had dialogue on this podcast before where if Harden had somehow theoretically been traded to the Blazers, I I don't know if I'd be able to continue this pod. I don't I we would have to take You'd like a fine. season off. I know, no, I, I honestly don't think I can root for that man in a Blazers uniform. It would it would not work. So Point being, yeah, he's in until, Brooklyn until he, until he dropped a, a triple double. No, and no, no, went it crazy. Just, You'd be fine. No, You'd it just fine. no, it just wouldn't work. He's the the disrespect he has about COVID and all the rest of it just does not work for me. He's not what we, of what a sports athlete is supposed to embody as far as someone that a fan looks up to. That's not the point. But okay, anyway, <laughs> the point being, I almost had to be a Brooklyn Nets fan where he does play because the Nets were the first team in the NBA to require vaccinations to attend games this season. I, I I was excited about this. Uh, partially, this was due to the New York, uh, the state of New York requiring vaccinations for bars, restaurants, and venues across the across the whole state. Uh, but I was excited for this because all summer I've been wanting to go to Timbers games. They had a mask mandate, or an, I think they even had a vaccine mandate. Uh, then it changed to a mask mandate. Then it kind of dropped beyond that. Uh, and you know, it, I understand that the Timber Stadium in particular, that particular venue, is outdoors. So it wouldn't have been that big of a deal, but you set a line for yourself as far as being safe. Try not to infect other people, trying to protect your loved ones and those around you and the whole kind of web that spider webs out of all of us as far as contact with people. My wife works with children, so there's just a certain bar that we have to make sure to uphold. I said that I could not go to Timbers games if they weren't going to have a mandate for the vaccine. I was really getting nervous about what was going to happen with Blazers games this season. I know I'm further from town now out here in Hood River, but we have our half-season tickets. We're going to be going to games. We wanted to be going to games, but that was not going to happen if they didn't have some sort of rule, much like the, the Nets did. Thankfully, we delayed the pod, and this morning it was announced that the Blazers will be requiring vaccination proof to enter the Rose Garden or any, any event in the Rose Quarter this next season. Uh, this begins September 4th. The day before my wedding anniversary, so shout out to that as well. Hey! Uh, but yeah, this this works for me. And here's here's the thing, Keith. It's not like it, they're, they're not forcing a, a vaccine upon fans either. It's, you, you have the option to either be fully vaccinated or to take a, a, a test and come up negative on a COVID test. What like 72 hours prior to the game? So th there's the options for those people who who right. still don't want to get vaccinated or or what have you. And here's the thing, like, you want to protect everyone. So you're looking at your fans. You're in a place that's obviously your shoulder-to-shoulder, tightly compact with people. Uh, so you want to try to protect the fans the best you can. But at the same time, like, do you want, like, 20,000 people in there spreading something around? And next thing you know, you, heaven forbid, like, Dame or CJ, like, <laughs> dive for a loose ball, get coughed on, and boom, there you go. You know what I mean? Like, you want to prevent as much of that spread as you can. And and make sure people are safe and i i, I just I, i'm on board with that and you know these i think these teams are they're taking the, the 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 pr hit from the people who are upset by this but at the end of the day i mean i i think they're making making the right move here because you want to do the best you can just try to make sure people are, are safe and and you can come to to your events you gotta remember like now we're you know a year and a half now into this covid thing <laughs> going on two years and it's like it, it was this time 
uh, what, this time in 2019, you're, they're playing in Orlando in a bubble. Right. Like, th- there wasn't even the option to go to a game because they didn't want anyone to get sick. Yeah. And so they had to have those players play in a bubble and still take those tests every single day that they could, multiple times a day because there was no vaccine at the time. So it could be worse. Right. Like they're 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 opening the doors and letting you in with a couple new uh, a couple new rules. They're not forcing you to get vaccinated because you have an option on the outside if you aren't uh, to still go to those games. But it could be worse because the other option is a repeat of the NBA bubble and nobody gets to see games. Yeah, and and that's that's the real thing to remember here is that the alternative is not to have no regulations. It typically, if if a situation is controversial in a way. The alternative, the acceptable alternative, is going to be a safer, a less risky version of that. And like and like you're saying, the alternative to having a vaccine mandate or just wanting to prove for tests, like you're pointing out, would be to have a bubble where we just don't get to go to games. And so that's, I, I think, if the lesser evil at this point is exactly what we're setting up for here. I'm excited about this. It is good news that the Blazers are, are following suit. Hopefully, the rest of the NBA will continue to kind of, you know, let this kind of steamroll and have all the stadiums eventually uh, before the season starts. Uh, in in you know ideal situations, uh, yeah. I mean, vaccines. just so, and just so you know, like as, as a member of the media, to to go to yeah, um, exactly the play the playoff games. Like we had to, you, we had to watch videos and they basically take like a little mini test on how to properly clean our workstation, all all this stuff, and then we had to enroll in the Clear app to be able to basically do a questionnaire before every single game make sure you weren't showing any symptoms of every, anything. Then you had to pass that uh, pass that mini exam. Then you had to show that to get in. And then once you were in, you were so, socially distanced from everybody. Like I, I was in a row with all my coworkers. So it was, you know, me and, and, and Jamie Hudson, hey! and Dylan McKinnon hey! and Lindsay Wisniewski. Hey! But we were in the same row, but we were about 20 feet apart, spaced out as much as you could be, right? Like, so it's like we like we went through all those protocols too just to go cover the game. So it's it's not like it's 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 too new, honestly. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. And, and again, like like you pointed out, it could be worse. Uh, let's talk about something worse. Time for some bad news. The Blazers have received an off-season grade, and it's not good. Sports Illustrated put out their ranking of the off-seasons for a bunch of teams, uh, I believe all the teams. Uh, notably, Golden State had an A-, minus. the Clippers had another A-, minus. the Lakers had a C-, minus. but the Blazers took the negative cake and got a D-plus uh, on this rankings. Uh, I mean, to be totally fair, though... This isn't really news. We talked about this on Trailcasters here, Chris. <laughs> you and I have discussed this before that this was a lackluster offseason, particularly when Dame, the, the franchise star, said we need not lackluster moves. And we've come back with Tony Snell, uh, Ben L- McLemore, and who am I blanking on here? Oh, uh, um, one of the Zellers, Cody Zeller. <laughs> yeah, See, now one, of the, one of the Zellers. <laughs> one of the Zellers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling about this offseason rankings? Do you think this is anything to be that concerned about? Is it more of just the same that we've heard already? Uh, where are you? I, I don't. I don't necessarily think. I don't necessarily think D. What D minus D plus, D plus. F, anything below a C is really is really fair uh, to the actual offseason. Um, I think when you look at it and just go, okay, these were the players available. These are who Portland. Uh, got yeah it's an f but when you look (laughs) at the fact that portland had no assets at all to work with 
and they were able to fill some holes with some some decent players. I mean, Ben McLemore is going to be able to shoot the three ball pretty well, uh, help you off the bench. Tony Snell is a dead eye from three as well. And Cody Zeller gives you a, a pretty capable backup big who you and I talked about last time is is not nearly as good as Ennis Cantor by any metric, but is probably better than Ennis Cantor at the things <laughs> that you that Ennis Cantor was really bad at, and that is defensively in the paint, right? That's a good way to um, put so it. there's a, a marked improvement there for actually what you needed at your center position, even though you're overall losing some talent. I think a C minus C is a fair grade because I think it's I think it was an average offseason for a team that had no assets to work with. Um, I mean, I don't think you, they were going to go get much better than a Tony Snell or a Ben McLemore uh, or a Cody Zeller. Now, you look at some of the names that were possibly thrown out there. I mean, there was the, the report of a Hassan Whiteside uh, <laughs> said in his in his press conference with uh, Utah that Portland showed interest. Um, cool, but like, <laughs> is that an up? Is that really that much of an upgrade over Cody no. Zeller? Because here's the, here's the thing, Hassan Whiteside. He could rebound great, and he could get a ton of blocks at the rim, but blocks at the rim doesn't necessarily mean you're good defensively. Right. And he, he lacked in certain aspects, when, especially when it came to you know closing space and one-on-one -on -one defending. He was phenomenal at guard, literally guarding the rim and getting uh, contesting shots and, and getting his hands on the basketball. But, but other than that, like, I don't know if that's just like the guy you want to go after necessarily when you want to change it up, especially when it's on wide side. I, yeah. I loved him here. I loved him here. I thought he did great uh, for Portland, especially, you know, taking over when, you know, you're, you're struggling to find a center and Nurk is hurt for, for all the year and you got to have a guy come fill in. He was great. Absolutely phenomenal. The thing I didn't like about hear, hearing his name uh, put up there is like okay so now we're just playing musical chairs with our center so if we would have gotten right. Son Whiteside this year does that mean you would have got Ennis Cantor next offseason right so and so but overall back to the original question I, I, it's, I think it's an average offseason it's it's there were they got average players with a below average asset pool to actually work with build some holes that they needed it's just not earth shattering by any means and it's ridiculous honestly <laughs> Yeah, and uh, just on the, the Cantor Whiteside thing, I think that that is a more apt comparison. Like comparing what Cantor did for us and what Whiteside did for us, they were both those stopgap centers, like you said, guys that were here and their role essentially was bigger than maybe th that we planned on. The, the, it was a bigger role than we planned on having them play for us because of Nurk's lack of availability at the time. Uh, Cody Zeller, hopefully, again, health being a big factor for, for Nurk, but Cody Zeller shouldn't be that same kind of a uh, stopgap center. He's be more of, hopefully, again, a reliable backup big who doesn't do anything amazing. He's not a shot blocker. He's not a fantastic rebounder, but he does it all uh, acceptably well. He's not going to have the holes in his game uh, on defense uh, like you'd see from Cantor or you know things like that. Uh, yeah, the, the, the whole dialogue about Whiteside coming back up here, that would not... I, I don't think that would have been a better situation for us, especially given that he's been here before and fans here are going to have uh, expectations i i think that would have been even if he had a good year even if he came back and gave us the same production he gave before when he played for portland it's not going to measure up F fans would expect him to do something more or at least just knowing what he brought to the table they would be you know maybe hoping for something else and i think that's a lot of why we see the d plus rating from sports illustrated yeah. is because the expectations the way that we had all this kind of context about dame saying we want big moves and you know the all the trade rumors around dame i think the idea that this is what we came up with whether it was a bad offseason or a moderate moderate mediocre one however you want to put it 
it's frame more on, on you know that, that bar is just raised a little higher because of these the stakes i guess yeah absolutely and i think it's it's made more frustrating when you see like the the moves that were made around the league for guys yeah. that probably could have come in and helped portland yeah and done good and filled up the roles like there there was the guys that i've been saying forever that i wanted to see in portland uh at any point regardless of what you had asset wise but like i thought like a, a jeff green would have been a phenomenal ad to really help with what the blazers needed the ability to play the four and the five and he can still score buckets he can still play defense right and where did I jeff think- green end up is he in is he in memphis no didn't he go uh, to uh denver denver thank you and uh yeah, I thought he would have been been great. I thought Robin Lopez was should have been like yeah. shoe in to be contacted to be the uh, the backup center because at this point in his career, that's pretty much what he is, and he is not bad at all. And just like we we said about um, uh, Cody Zeller, Robin Lopez is probably not better right. than uh, than Ennis Cantor. But he's better at the things that Ennis Kenter was bad at. Yeah, like the it, things you needed to improve, uh, improve on. And it's, guys, it's like, the same like way said, with, with those two guys. Like you're ta- we, we were talking about a yeah. stopgap center with with Whiteside and uh, and Kenter. And Lopez is another guy who has experience in Portland, but he doesn't have those those gaps. Yeah, it would have made sense. I mean, it's and where did and, Lopez? And Jeff end Green up? didn't even. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm testing you on this. No, I'm putting you. I'm putting Orlando? you through the quiz. Orlando. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because um, yeah, the jokes about Disneyland. Yeah, but you look at Jeff Green. I mean, he he signed for four and a half mil. Like that's not that much money, and you feel like Portland could have could have done something there. And the guy that I think you really really would have made a difference because still got plenty of gas in the tank and is a huge guy off the bench would have been uh, Rudy Gay. Like then you're looking at a guy right. who can still score, can still get rebounds, has that vet presence. And yeah, he would have cost a lot of money, and then you would have had to worry about okay, did you use that that the full. Uh, uh, MLE or whatever it was you had um, and got hard capped, right? But at the same time, sometimes you have to make those financial decisions that are going to hurt you for a minute if you're trying to be competitive. And going out and getting Rudy Gay means you're trying to be competitive. Like I said, Denver needs to be competitive. They went out and got Jeff Green. Utah is competitive. They went out and got Rudy Gay. Portland wants to be in that same conversation. They went out and got Tony Snell. Like, (laughs) it's just, it's. It's not the same. Tony Snell is good, but he, he's, he's not helping you as much as either of those other two guys were. And they ended up going to teams that you are supposed to be battling with for playoff spots. So it's that's where maybe that D D plus comes in. Because then you're like, when you compare it to the other teams, you're like they, they made those financial moves that they needed to make. If it hurt them, it hurt them, whatever. They needed to get better, and that's what they did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's not good. No matter what the letter grade is, it's not the greatest off season is especially given the fact that we are looking at a season where Dame has finally come out and voices opinion saying, Hey, I want to see a little more. And this is not a little more, uh, but and you got to remember, he said on his, on his face or Instagram live last night. There we go. He, did you there see we go. this? What a did segue. This? Where, he, where he said that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in Portland, like for now, basically <laughs> for, right. for lack of a better term, like, like, yeah, he basically said, like, he's throwing it back out there again. That's all Damian Lillard has been doing all this offseason. He, he has been putting the ball in Neil Olshay's hands. Yeah. And, 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 and it's a smart play by Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard has said his entire career, right, that he wants to be a Blazer. He wants to retire a Blazer. Now he's changing the narrative a little bit so that if it doesn't happen, it's not on him. Like Portland right. fan, if, if Damian Lillard gets traded or Dame, like Damian Lillard comes out next summer and says, I'm, I'm out, I want to be traded. 
unlike LaMarcus Aldridge, right? Where LaMarcus Aldridge said, I want to be the greatest blazer of all time on a retired blazer. Then becomes a free agent and goes to San Antonio, right? He had the option to stay. He chose, right, like right. he walked out, right? Dame is right here saying, I gave you every single opportunity to keep me and you are failing me. Like I did not want to leave. I want to stay here, but you are failing me. And he's, he, he's going to change that narrative. It comes back on Olshay. That's why I still think you look at the way the offseason played out. There has to be a trade. There has, there has to, to be, be a trade uh, happening either before the season or by the deadline because you cannot go in to next year, next offseason that is, playing with Norman Powell, CJ McCollum, and Damian Lillard with nearly $100 million locked up between the three of those guys and no help at the four and five and, and, and not getting better and no assets to get better. The, it has to be a move that you would think where CJ is involved to move Powell to the two where he's probably more comfortable in this lineup. But that's really what has to be. And then maybe you look at it and you're like, okay. And then Neil can redeem himself in the, the entirety of the offseason in the Blazers. You're okay. Now, now Ben McLemore and Tony Snell made sense because the way this trade, but, but it has to have, there has to be a trade. Otherwise, it's, ooh, next summer's not going to be fun. <laughs> okay. I, I, I want to get back to Dan. But yeah, just looking at the, the CJ trade talk ticker that we keep up here in, in Trailcasters, that's the 537th time that we've mentioned. Uh, CJ getting traded, and it does seem at this point like it's fairly inevitable. It, it's not, we're not trying to just be redundant here. It just makes the most sense. And especially, like you said, when you have these other moves around it where they are lackluster moves, there's no better way to put it. That's a nice way to put it. And they only really add up as being, oh, they're, they're, they're reasonable moves if you are making space on the roster with CJ, both for other players as well as kind of room for maybe bringing this one in. <laughs> And just like that, listeners, as Trey Kirby used to say on the starters, we got ourselves a trade. Yes, just as I was editing the podcast yesterday, the Blazers finally made a move, uh, trading Derek Jones for Larry Nance Jr. And my guy Chris was nice enough to hop back on here and discuss our first impressions. So we're going to drop that part right in here in the middle of the pod, and then we'll be back with your regularly scheduled Trailcasters episode. We are sending out Derek Jones Jr. and a protected, lottery-protected 22 pick. We are getting back Larry Nance Jr. There are other moving parts here. We can get into all the rest of that next week if it really matters. But, Chris, the big thing here, how do you feel about the Blazers? Does this improve the team for this season, adding Larry Nance Jr. in uh, in place of Derek Jones Jr.? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it does. Um, you know, Derek Jones Jr. proved last year he's a good defender, right? He was one of the better defenders on the team. Uh, for the year, but I mean, you and I have discussed before uh, multiple times how you know he, he got those DMPs down down in playoff time, and perhaps there was a reason, perhaps there wasn't. We can get into that more in detail at another <laughs> time. But with Nance, what it, the difference between the two is? Yes, Derek Jones Jr. is a good defender, but Nance is a good defender exactly where Portland needs it, and that's in the paint. Bigger. I mean, yeah. he's, he's a guy who's going to be able to defend the four and defend the five, and add some versatility to the Blazers that way. Uh, what I don't understand is when people freak out. They're like, this isn't the move I wanted. This doesn't move the needle. Ball. It's it's a solid move. It's a solid like, move, yeah. I, like, I tweeted it as soon as it happened, and then I just laughed because some people just can't, like, be happy. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, in my head, I'm just like, like – your your existence must be must be miserable because you find like a way to be negative in any situation and like my tweet was that this is exactly what portland did what they did was they took a guy in Derek jones jr who was a 10 million dollar cap suck yep 
who was at the end of the bench now, especially with some of the moves they made, yep. and they turned that and they turned that into uh, a Larry Nance Jr., who was exactly what Portland needed, which was depth at the four and the five. Because yep. we, you and I had talked about, is it Nasir Little going to get those minutes? Does Derek Jones Jr. maybe play the four, even though that's really not the position uh, he's built for? What do they do? I mean, yes, they got Greg Brown, but they have no bigs. Yeah. Larry Nance is a big. So they got rid of a guy who was who was debatably at the end of the bench who was creating a log jam at the small forward position and got exactly what they needed in a pure four slash five. So they fixed their two problems. Yeah. They got rid of a log jam at a depth and someone still had the audacity to go, <laughs> they fixed nothing. They nothing. fixed nothing. I'm like, dude, they, fi- they, they fixed two problems. Are they minor problems in what everyone's talking about? Absolutely. It's not like Larry Nance is like, sweet, Larry Nance championship. Right, like, right. But it does put them in better position, and, and I think it's a great trade. People, I think, underestimate how how good of a player Larry Nance really can be. He was good in L.A. He has been good in Cleveland. His big trouble, which I hate to, to sound the horn for Blazer fans, is the ability to stay on the court. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has battled some injuries yeah. in recent years. But you look at his stats last year through 35 games, he's 9.3 points, 6.7 rebounds, 3.1 assists. So he has vision for a big man as well. And he had 1.7 steals. So that proves right there that defensively he knows what he's doing and he's going to be able to get the hand on the basketball and create some turnovers. I mean, if that were extrapolated, say that's his full year of numbers and he averages those 1.7 assists or uh, steals, excuse me, that would have been the most on the Blazers. Yeah, Robert there Cousins you go. Led the team with 1.4. Norman Powell had 1.3 throughout the entire year last year, uh, split between the two teams. And then Yusuf Nurkic was third at one. So you get a guy who, who comes in and is, and is one of your better defenders right off the bat. So it's it's a solid move. It's a I think it's a, it's a very very good move. Well, and and I think to answer just as far as what fans, I, the, the idea that this changes nothing. I'm not sure if that's really fair at all. That guy maybe should, that guy should maybe take a breath a little bit. Uh, it's. The thing is, it's not the CJ McCollum move that not only you and I keep talking about, but uh, it just keeps... I, I think Blazer fans in general are still waiting for a CJ McCollum-based move if we're talking about something that is really going to move the needle, something that's really going to push us into being true contenders in the West. This does not make us contenders in the West, but like you said, we had a log jam, or traffic jam at the three with Derek Jones and uh, Snell and... Uh, why am I blanking on, yeah, on Powell? Yeah. Here a little. Yeah. In general, we had a lot of players who, if they can play more than one position, one of those positions was the three. This spreads out the traffic jam a little bit. We get more guys in the front court and a defensive player. Uh, he's not, again, like you said, he's not a world changing defender, but he plays defense. He's not a, and is cancer type rebounder, but he rebounds pretty well. He is not some like playmaking big, but he get he can he can pass the ball and like you said as well the the fact that 1.7 steals would lead the team uh, would lead the Blazers last year that's he's gonna come in and, I, and you would think makes a difference I feel like this does help the Blazers balance out their roster a bit more and again considering that Derek Jones Jr had limited minutes last year and was probably questionable about where he was gonna be in the the, uh, the line of depth this it seems like you're getting a lot of value out of uh, not giving a whole lot away. Absolutely. I, I think you are. And it fits it fits with what Blazers need. And you take a look here. Jason Quick tweeted earlier today, right after the trade, and uh, this is kind of what the updated depth chart looks like. So at guard, you got Dame followed by Ant. 
At, at two guard, you got McCollum, Macklemore, Ellaby. At the three, you got Powell, Snell, and Little. He puts them in that order. Some people are debating Little over Snell. Uh, I would go Little over Snell just because I think you want to really get the development out of that young guy. And if Snell's an end-of-the-bench guy who can come in and hit threes, yeah, that's good. But if he's getting big minutes, as long as he's hitting those, those buckets, that's, that's <laughs> fine too. Now at the four, you got Covington, Nance, and Brown. And at the uh, five, you got Nurkic and Zeller. So that's a that's a pretty good pretty good lineup. I know it's like people upset about running it back and, and whatnot, but Nance makes a difference because if you don't have Nance in that, then your lineup was Covington followed by Brown at the right. four because like you and I have debated, do you play little more at the four versus the three because he's versatile enough to play both, but you have no true experience at that four to, to back up Robert Covington. Now you have a guy who can who can come in play the minutes. Also, big on this is when you look at that roster, they only have two bigs. They are uh, two fives. Two true centers, yeah. Nurkic and Zeller. And Nance can play both. Exactly. And so that comes in huge as well. Should on you know, knock on wood, Nurkic go down or have some sort of injury that he's battling. So it just gives you a little bit more roster versatility for those two positions. D- Derek Jones Jr., I think, did give you some versatility because you could play him at the four in uh, some smaller lineups, even though he is a true three, but he didn't give you the ability to really go play the five and give you right. the help where you needed it. So when you look at it through that lens, like if you want to just look at points, rebounds, steals, and go, well, there's a toss up there. You could argue that they're very similar. Then to me, I don't think you've been watching as much NBA as you <laughs> as you say because they're they're very different players. And one fills exactly what Portland yeah. needed. The other was a roster body, a very talented roster body. I still like Derek right. Jones that's the Jr. thing, man. It, it, as a role player, he's phenomenal. Uh, I, I think he's a guy who can come in and give you those 12, 15 minutes a night off the bench and and serve his purpose. But the, the problem but with Nance is better. The problem with DJ is that Portland's style of play did not use him. He didn't have. I, I think I looked at the stats at one point, and we talked about it on an earlier episode of Trailcasters during the season. He didn't have half the dunk attempts uh, in like the first forty or fifty games here uh, of what he had. I, I'm, I'm going to jumble these numbers around too much, but yeah, basically he was not just not being used properly. The guy is a dunker. Derek Jones Jr. Airplane mode is not a three point shooter. We were asking him to shoot from the three. He wasn't doing horribly from that. He was doing better than he usually has in his career, but not even league average. The dude is a dunker, and the problem is that we don't have real lob passers here in Portland. Dame is just not a lob passer. We haven't really seen it, and honestly. We're talking about rotations here. We don't have a lot of other true point guards. Even Anthony Simons, you said Quake listed him as a the backup at the point. He's not quite shown to be a true point yet. There are people arguing that answers more of a two than a than a one. You know, I'm pretty sure he said before that he prefers playing the exactly two to yeah playing playing the one. So we, we he, just he is more of a shooter. So. so we just don't have the guys to have really used Derek Jones Jr. Much less the whole traffic jam where we just have more guys that can play that wing spot. And Nance, you mentioned. Uh, only having the two true centers, Nurkic and Zeller, on this roster. If we were going to try and go small, which the Blazers always do for certain games or certain parts of certain games throughout the season, you go small depending on the opponent, you wouldn't really have a lot of options. You're stuck with Zeller at the five. Nurk or Zeller is going to play the five. Rocco is, was really the only other option to play the four. You can't really stick Greg Brown in there yet because just we don't know what experience, how how he's going to do overall uh, in, in real game minutes. Now you have Lair and Nance who can play the four or the five Derek Jones could play the four or the three. Imagine a lineup like we've been talking about Dame, CJ, Norman Powell, Rocco, and Nurkic is a good starting five. Imagine a small ball lineup of Dame, Norman Powell, Rocco, Nance, 
uh, and Zeller maybe out there. And again, I'm, I'm throwing that one in there. If you notice who I left out, this still allows for a CJ trade. You could have a solid small ball lineup or a solid starting rotation even after making this move that we're still hoping is somewhere down the line here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you look at the, the, the key here is I think everyone, when they talk about wanting the, that big improvement and what's going to get Dame to stay, right? And I think they instantly look at that starting lineup, and that's where you talk about McCollum and this and that. And like everyone, so if you look at the starting five right now, and obviously Lillard, McCollum, Powell, Covington, Nurk, like you said, I think where people can get upset is go, oh, so we're running it back. Running just it back, like, yeah. you know, Neil, Neil said that they didn't want to do, just like Dame said they didn't want to do. Uh, nope, we're, they're running it back. But the key here is the bench. Right now, the bench, if the bench was its own five-person unit, Simons, Macklemore, Snell, Nance, Zeller, I think that's a pretty decent backup five. Like, like Nance gives you, like I said, he's going to play defense. Zeller is, like we've said before, a better defender than Ennis Cantor was. So now you're four or five, which when your bench rotation last year was the debate all year long oh my gosh, why can't we do something different? Because you can't play Mellow and Cantor together <laughs> because there's no defense yeah. in the paint. There's no defense from the four or five spots. Now you have two decent defenders at the four and five. And you couple that with a Snell, who's a very good shooter from three. You couple that with a Macklemore, who's a very good shooter from three. And you couple that with an Anthony Simons, who proved last year that he's a very, he's a good, very shooter good shooter shot, <laughs> shot creator as well. That's where you look at the at the improvements of this team. Yeah. It's not always about the starting five, right. Keith. It's about everyone who's going to get on the floor. And I think if, at this point, if the second unit, even though the second unit does tend to have McCollum in there, let's just look at the, the, the second five, the next the five next off five the bench. Up, yeah. It's it's better for what Portland needed than last year's five was. We, it, 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 those Those five right there do things better than last year's five did where you needed it the most. I'm talking about defense, and now you got shot makers to go around too. It's 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 a better, better bench rotation, absolutely. We, we heard at points last year that uh, Ennis Cantor and Mello, you know, these were guys coming off the bench that were starting level, starting quality players, at least like Ennis, you'd hear, oh, he's a starting level center. Now we have a legit, you know, not on a championship team, but uh, Zeller and Nance are both starting level players uh, around the NBA, and you have these guys coming off the bench with solid defense, like you said. It's it's just more balanced. It's just uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I think this is a a good move. Balance overall. is the key word. Yeah, key word. It's Roster a, it's balance. A, it's a balanced better for what the team needs. I think you look at this right now. Like if if, if last year your second unit, you're you're running um, you're running mellow and Cantor, like we said, and then you have the debate of uh, Derek Jones Jr., but you're also playing a little bit of Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as well. This year, <laughs> Little had his minutes. Uh, McCollum running with the second unit, and you're looking at that, and, and you were struggling to get defensive stops. And not only that, when you were playing your Rondes and your Derek Jones Jr., you were struggling to have shot makers on the floor as well. So not only were you not stopping the other team from scoring, you were struggling to get points yourself. And that's where you needed to really get CJ right. and Dame and, and, and Norm those big minutes because they had to be on the court because the second unit is where the game was won and lost a lot of time. But now you have a better defensive second unit with some really good spot-up shooters around. I think like if, 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 if anyone's going to watch... Uh, Snell and Macklemore and Simon shoot threes. They're going to be supremely more confident in those three <laughs> 
than they were in Derek Jones Jr. and Rondé Hollis Jefferson yep. <laughs> taking up those exact same shots. So, uh, yeah, balance is the key word there, Keith. So I think this roster uh, balanced out a little bit better. Is it world shattering at this point? Absolutely not. It's not like this. Okay, Portland went from we need to make big moves to they they did. They got Larry Nance and Snell and McLemore, and now they're the best team in the West. Like that, their overall talent level remains to be seen. But I do think, as I've said already, balance wise, it's it's a better team. They're in a better position to find success than they were. Uh, at this point last season, I believe. All right, so we've done a solid 10 to 12, maybe 15 minutes of ex extrapolating on this trade today. Uh, once again, that is Derek Jones Jr. and a lottery-protected pick for next year out. Uh, in exchange, we get back Larry Nance Jr. So we're keeping a junior on the roster. Much better fit, much more size, and sounds like we kind of are set up a little more shooting than last season, too. We will talk more about this on the next episode. We'll talk about who won the trade. We'll talk about maybe how this uh, affects Dame's desire to stay in Portland. Uh, if we want to, you know, again, get, get into all the future prediction stuff with that. But I think that's it for now. Last week at some point, there was that whole thing where some fan on Twitter was saying, oh, how much you want to bet that Dame will end up a Laker uh, before the season starts? <laughs> and Dame responds, bet a million. Like, he's basically saying, yeah, right. not going to happen. Uh, and obviously, part of that is that Lakers literally couldn't make a trade package for Dame. There's just no nothing even, like, feasibly yeah. possible for that for it to work that like that. Uh, but it does show that Dame, I think, still has that kind of fire of, like, no, he knows where he wants to be. And honestly, I kind of think some of the trolling like that, like fancying, oh, how much do you want to bet he'll be down here? That kind of stuff where they're almost kind of taking the control away from Dame, I think that stuff makes him more likely to stay in Portland. Like, if it has any effect, it makes him want to stay here that much more. Uh, let me ask you a question, though, on his latest comments on IG. The wording that we're talking about where he says, I'm not leaving Portland, not right now at least. He had some further dialogue with uh, the Athletics Christopher Kamrani. He said uh, he gets in a position where he feels like he has to defend himself or just say nothing. Uh, also references that he's going to say what the truth is and he'll back up the, tr the truth. But other things that he like when they're said aloud, he just has to kind of let it be said. Some of that's it's it's a little eerie. It's a little weird uh, to see some of these quotes because it does almost seem like. Is he trying to leave room for, hey, I actually do feel some of this way? Or like like you kind of implied earlier, Chris, is he just trying to make sure that the leverage is on Olshay? Like this, it, it feels like this is really coming down to a game of chicken between this, the franchise star and the GM. And it really shouldn't come to that. It shouldn't, there shouldn't be a power struggle with the, with the GM. Like the, why does he think he has the same leverage as the star player? I don't know if it's as much. I don't, I don't think it's a power struggle, honestly. I think that the communication between them is is probably better than any of us actually think it is. Uh, it has to be with your general manager and your star player. You know that Dame has had conversations with Neil. You know Neil's like, here's the deal. Like I know it's it's easy to play armchair quarterback and 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 crap on your GM, but like, it's, it, it's not like he's sitting on his hands, not making calls. Like he's just not making the right calls or getting the deals to go through. I don't think it's a game of chicken though. What I think it is, is I think that Dame 
is very concerned with his legacy. And I think Dame is, is doing his best to make sure that narrative is, like I said earlier, I gave you every opportunity to keep me and you couldn't get it done. So that mm. when Dame, if he does ask for a trade, it's not a situation where, oh my gosh, our star player hates Portland. He's asking out. And next thing you know, you have people burning Dame jerseys. If, the, if, if Dame were to ask for a trade tomorrow, honestly, who would most of the fan base be upset with? Would they be upset with the front office or would they be upset with Dame? That's a good and point. we all know the answer to that. Yep. Yeah. And it, and it, hel- and it, it helps the narrative of his legacy in Portland. Absolutely. It does. So that's all. That's, that's what a guy like Dame cares about. And I can get behind that. Cause I feel like I would be the same way. Like my reputation, what people think about me is important to me. So if I can make sure that it, it, it stays clean, I'm going to make sure it stays clean. And I think that's what he's trying to do. Okay, I like you know that's that's a good answer. I want to ask one more question. Uh, one more question about a quote from Dame. Uh, just kind of pick your brain on this, but it's unrelated. So I just want to like clear delineation here. Sweet, <laughs> good. <laughs> clear delineation on, on on good answer for that. Let's get into a theoretical part of this conversation that Dame had with Christopher Kamrani from the Athletic. I apologize if I'm saying that name wrong. I believe I got that close to right. Anyway, yeah, that's how you say Christopher. <laughs> Dame says uh, to Christopher, I know what the truth is. I know where I stand. It's not my duty to make the public know. It's not my job to make them aware of what that is. To me, Christopher Burkhart, that sounds a little bit like uh, uh, Charles Barkley in the I am not a role model kind of thing. The the idea of saying (laughs) it's not my duty to make the public know where dame stands it's not my job to make them aware of what that is i get what he's saying where he's here to play basketball kind of thing is he he doesn't have to be the the media relation but at the same time isn't it kind of his duty we're talking about public perception and about the brand and kind of the 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 name lillard and kind of what what his uh what he's making in, in in his own brand doesn't a certain portion of that come to controlling the perception by the fans yeah, I don't like that answer because, yes, your job is to play basketball, but you have you you wear many hats. Like, yeah, Damian exactly. Lillard is Damian Lillard is more than just a basketball player. He's he's a face of the franchise. He is uh, a shoe salesman for Adidas, right? Yep. Uh, he 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 was he was hawking pain supplements for Biofreeze. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he he he's more than just a soundcloud rapper now like like, like this <laughs> yeah this, exactly. like he, he he's more than a basketball player so i don't like that answer for for multiple reasons um and mainly because like when he's like you know i'm just here to play basketball it's not my point to say this or say that like that's a, that's a lie that's a that's that's just a pure lie because here's the thing we've all been in different work scenarios where our manager has asked us our opinion on this or boss has asked us our opinion on that or you know, you did job, your boss did job interviews and then brought you in. I'm like, Oh, those were the two people I brought in. Which one of those did you like? Like, yeah. And I don't sit there and look at him go, "Uh, I'm just here to produce content. Like I give him, (laughs) I give, I give him my input. Right. And especially when you're the face of the franchise and everything hinges on, on you. uh, Yeah. You're going to be more than just a basketball player. And like I said, Dave is 
goes back to my sec my uh, answer a second ago. He's very aware of his public perception, and he wants that legacy intact. And so he know everything with Dame is calculated and said for a reason. Anything with all these stars, like if it, like nothing LeBron James says is said by accident. Everything everything is calculated because not only are you know do they have that legacy and that that perception to protect. I mean. They have millions of dollars to protect. Like say the <laughs> wrong thing, ruffle the wrong feathers, and now you're now you're hurting a little bit. So no, that's I don't, I don't like that answer because we all know that no things that are said and behind yeah. closed doors, you're, you're playing. You may be playing your cards close to the to the vest with everybody else, and that's fine. You can play your cards close to the vest with the public. But when you walk into Neil, Neil Olshay's office, you're showing him your entire hand so that he knows what you're playing with. Right. Like you have to. That's how you have the best success at the end of the day. Like D- Dame can't possibly be the guy who says, "I need this team to get better," and then we okay. Well, then how do we make the team better, Dame? Well, I'm just here to play basketball. I don't have a lot. Of right. Play. That's not. That's <laughs> not. That's that is not happening, and we all know better. Yeah, and I I agree with you that I. Like you mentioned earlier, too, Olshay and Dame probably do have a pretty good dialogue behind the scenes, just not something that is apparently visible to most uh, most of us fans on the outside here. These comments, though, it did it just struck me a little strange. The, the idea of if uh, specifically for Dame as a uni- like any celebrity or superstar athlete is going to deal with this idea of having to control the public perception and building your brand off of a certain image, a certain character that you put together and, and trying to keep that consistent. But what sets Dame apart in particular has been that individual branding, the, you know, the idea that he wants to stay in small market Portland and kind of the way that he conducts himself in many ways is different from most other stars in his position. So if it's not his duty to let the public know the truth about all these rumors and stuff, whose duty is it? Cause if you can't rely on the GM, you can't just hand it off to someone in your camp. And, and part of some of his other quotes as well, were saying, uh, let me find this real fast. I let people talk and I just say, I just stay true to who I am. And I stand on that. If I say something, I stand on what I said. It is what it is at this point, basically saying, if it comes from Dame, believe it. If it comes from someone else, don't necessarily believe it. So again, Whose duty is it to let the public know what he thinks if he's if we can only believe him, but he doesn't want us to he doesn't want to say it himself. And it's it's getting jumbled, man. And I just I worry how much of this is is a little bit of smoke and mirrors. And I agree that everything Dame says is calculated. But, you know, some of the some of the analyzing some of these uh, these quotes gets a little hairy. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I think what he does mean by that is like when he says, you know, I'm, I'm here to play basketball, like his job is like, dude, like. It would be tiring if 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 all it all it is now is reporter A writes this, but then reporter A writes that, uh, and now your entire summer is damage control or right. putting, silencing rumors and this and that. Like, I think that's what he means by like it's not my job to tell you this or tell you that. Like, like I shouldn't. I think it's more like calling people out. Like, quit reporting stuff that is blatantly false because it's not my job to have to answer these questions okay, about okay. my, about my future. If that makes sense, like when yeah. you read it again, that's what it, that said to me. I mean, cause like if, if a guy's reporting that Dame is asked out, but Dame hasn't asked out now, it now it has become his job to answer those questions. Cause everyone's going to ask it. And I think that's what he, I think that's what he means by like, that's, you know, it's not my job to say this, say that, like, I'm just here to play basketball. It's like, you guys, like, if, if you quit reporting stuff that is blatantly false, <laughs> then <laughs> I don't have to answer these questions to set the record straight. I could see that. I like that. I could definitely see, uh, 
So maybe that how that's hit, where he's taking a shot at the media more than he's trying to dodge a bullet of uh, of responsibility on yeah. his own end. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I think I think that's I think that's what that is, and that's fair. And and people get mad like, oh, this guy's a bad reporter, and it's not necessarily that these guys are bad reporters that are that when when things come out that aren't true, that's part of journalism. It's going to happen because not every source is maybe as well sourced as you think, right? Well, I have sources that said this, so I'm sure that that person did, but it doesn't mean that their sources are right. Like, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, it's it's part of journalism. I get it, but and yeah, I, I I I can understand maybe where if Dame is taking a shot at the media here, where he's probably been a little frustrated this summer with exactly what you said. If he if he puts anything out there at all the amount of dissection, the amount of exactly what we're doing right here, where they take apart each single line bit by bit and trying to figure out what the individual meaning was. And you know, all what? I know is if I had the power that Dame did, I would, I would take so much joy in just randomly tweeting <laughs> emojis. Like I'm just, gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up and I'm randomly going to like cactus emoji send. Oh my God. Dame wants to play for the Suns. Oh my God. Oh no, my the- God. The most like, volatile one is just the, the little googly eyes. Just put the googly exactly. eyes and nothing else. Just If you just put that out, everyone's like, what's he looking at? What just happened at the same oh, time no. mark? What happened two minutes before this timestamp? What could he be referring to? Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> I would I would take way too much joy in that. All right. Uh, let's move on from this. But in the interest of you know, just kind of giving Dame's context, I read a couple snippets here from his quote. Let me just read the actual full statement so so we have his words so people can hear that. And then, listeners, you can write in the Trailcasters at Trailcasters on Twitter or Trailcasters at gmail.com if I can stay away from being tongue-tied there. Uh, let us know what you think. Is Dame referring to the media here? Is he trying to take away from his own responsibility? Uh, also, you can always send some of these messages to at Christopher J. Burkhart on Twitter if it's uh, particularly uh, 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 hate mail, anything vile, you know, send that way. It, he's kind of a, I he's have a good feelings, okay? <laughs> okay, so Dame, when speaking to the other Christopher, Christopher Kamrani at The Athletic, you get to a position where it's like, do I defend myself or do I just say nothing? For me, when I'm hearing stuff that's not the facts, I'm going to say I didn't say that. Some things I've just got to let it be said. I know what the truth is. I know where I stand. It's not my duty to make the public know. It's not my job to make them aware of what that is. It definitely has been different, referring to this offseason. I feel like I've handled it like I've handled everything. I just let it happen. I let people talk, and I just stay true to who I am, and I stand on that. If I say something, I stand on what I said. It is what it is at this point. So yeah, when, when you put that all together, I can I, I like your, your message there. He's referring basically just saying he's sick of the media circus. Uh, man, some of those, though, some of the things like when he says, for, when, it, when I'm, for me, when I'm hearing stuff that's not the facts, I'm going to say I didn't say that. Some things I've just got to let be said. So is he referring to those things that are being said that are facts? And again, we can just go down a whole nother media yeah, rabbit hole. Could, That'll be for next week. We'll, do, <laughs> we'll get, get to that one next week. For now, though, uh, Chris... We've talked a lot about the negativity surrounding our new head coach, Chauncey Phillips, but he has finally spoken up about basketball. We're moving forward, uh, and we're talking about what we're going to do as a team this next season. Unfortunately, he has caused a bit of another you know, media circus around saying he doesn't want to shoot as many threes. Chauncey Phillips' quote, I'm not one of those coaches that wants to shoot all threes and get up 50 threes. I don't believe in that. 
immediately people jump all over this saying, oh, what's going to happen? Is he going to try and redo Portland's offense You know, with shooters like Dame and CJ and Norm and the rest? Are we going to suddenly have... Uh, are they trying to go old school, getting away from the, the, the three-point line? No, that's not the case. Portland <laughs> didn't shoot 53s last year. They averaged 42 uh, per game, I think is what it was. So... He's not really changing anything. He's not asking for them to shoot less threes. When he went into more detail, he really clarified that he wants better threes. He wants more corner threes, which we shot, I think, second worst or worst uh, in the league last year as far as uh, attempts from the corner. Um, he talked a lot about passing, trying to get uh, more more good shots instead of just you know some player taking a... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, more open shots, clean open shots instead of just a good shot when a player has it, which again is something that we saw in the, the Stotts fence was this kind of real emphasis on sharing the ball and everyone had somewhat of a green light. So if they had a good shot, uh, you're, you're pretty much good to go versus the idea of working for that extra open, clean shot. Uh, so I don't think there's anything really to be too worried about with Chauncey here, but do you see this being indicative of any real change in Portland's offense next season? Are we going to see... From what Chauncey said here, do you see uh, any any drastic differences uh, to look forward to? Uh, I think, to me, I think this screams a little bit more of maybe changing the offense to play a little bit more towards the strengths of the players that you have. And what I mean by that is uh, I think Robert Covington is a good three-point shooter, but I would rather have him taking more from the corner than up top the key, which he did a little bit more this season. And then you look at the pl two players that you just added in Ben McLemore and Tony Snell. I think Tony Snell can just light the world on fire if you can get him corner threes. <laughs> so now you're, play now you're playing to some of the guys that you already had and then the guys you brought in. Secondly, if you're trying to get away from shooting 53s a game, to me what that says is I, I look at the roster as it stands right now. I go, okay. So that makes me look at CJ McCollum and go, sweet. How can I change the offense up to get him more mid-range shots? Because I think he absolutely excels in that mid-range. And so if I can get him more mid-range shots, get uh, Nurkic involved more to where I know he started to shoot some threes this year, but if I can get him more involved in the pick and roll and 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 rolling to the basket with, with more ferocity and maybe a little, a little more grace. My thing with Nurk is like, he, he's really good in that pick and roll, but like Ennis Cantor had his hands were so much better at the rim because Ennis Cantor s slowed down. Like he didn't try to speed up. That's where when, when Nurt gets to the rim, he doesn't slow down. He just goes a hundred miles an hour and doesn't let the game come to him. And that's where you get those shot put shots and, and those bricks of his. So again, how can I better utilize him in that pick and roll and maybe utilize him in the pick and pop as well? Can, Cause Nurk has proven that he can shoot threes. So inevitably he should be able to really excel kind of like LaMarcus Aldridge used to do shooting right there uh, above the key, right in that, in that 15 foot range as well. So to me, this screams a little bit more looking at my guys and rather than, fitting them into the offense I want to run, which is what I think Stotts did, and Stotts did it effectively. Let's not get that wrong. Offense was not Stotts' problem. Oh, definitely, yeah. But I, <laughs> but I do think he tried to fit the players into his offensive scheme a little bit more, as where this sounds like Billups may be taking the approach where he wants to fit the scheme more to the roster that he has a little bit. And I, and I, th I think that's a good approach to be taking because he's got some guys who can be really, really good when used properly. I like that outlook, especially like you mentioned, Derek Jones Jr. We saw last year this guy come in as an athletic, uh, defensive-minded but athletic wing who could just like just jump through the roof. 
almost never get a lob uh, last season because he couldn't be a super effective three-point shooter in the style that the Blazers were shooting threes. He basically lost his playing time, and especially when we traded for Norman Powell. Uh, Derek Jones got more and more uh, DNPs, and and yeah, just saw his role disappear from the team. I could see with what Billups is talking about, we lean much towards much more towards ball movement and assists. Uh, Blazers, like we said, they weren't that great from the corner last year. They were also 29th in assists overall. You would hope that that's going to change if we're going to involve more players. Uh, you know, like Nurk is a very good passing big uh, for. Like when it comes to big man, if you can get him the ball, I feel like we could be doing a lot more playmaking from inside instead of just out on the arc with with Damon CJ. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to this. I, th- I think it could be a good change, and it's it it could be a good change without being that much of a change. People really freaked out, I think, when Chauncey first said he didn't want to shoot as many threes as if they were going to go some sort of like old you know Detroit style basketball like back in the day, just getting underneath the rim and. Yeah, that was and, and, and and logically too, I think with the way Portland plays, Keith, if you try to, if you, you're obviously not going away from the three by any means. Right. You have some very prolific three point shooters, but if you can get some other players involved in ways that benefit them, and maybe like I said, a Derek Jones Jr. and a Robert Covington are shooting uh, from yeah. the corner, which is a shorter three, and also prevents the long rebound, right? Because with Portland being so bad defensively, I think the worst thing you can have is be jacking up 53s, which misses create those super long rebounds, which instantly turn into transition buckets right. for the other team. And Portland is just not a team that tends to get back in transition very well. So now you can also try to make your offense benefit your defense exactly. in ways that you that you weren't thinking of before so yeah, yeah. I, th- I think this is i think this is a little bit of an insight into kind of just how chauncey's thinking from a basketball perspective and, and I, I like it i think it's i don't think it's going to be a drastic change at all but i think it's going to be enough of a change that you can you're going to see some marked improvements and and just you know to be clear for everyone as far as the how we're connecting these dots because these are like you're saying chris the the long threes are very much connected to the bad defense that we saw last year a lot of uh and as well as the lack of corner three-point shooting. The threes that we saw last year were mostly from guys that could create their own shot. You got it from Dame, the really deep ones. You got it from, from CJ or other players maybe as they're as they're coming down and they're at the top of the arc there, not when they're settling into the corners because those require maybe a bit more of playmaking, getting someone a little more open, uh, shifting the defense away from them so they could hit those corner threes. If you get more playmaking, more passes to, to, to the role players, to the Robert Covington, to the Tony Snells, not only them, but to players like Anthony Simons. He was an excellent three-point shooter last year, uh, despite maybe still needing to work on some other other aspects of the game. But let's transition towards that. We've talked last uh, episode about our new guys coming in, Tony Snell, Ben McElmore, Cody Zeller. We kind of skipped over the guys in development. And I've heard on some other pods, I think it was uh, Mike Richmond, talking about Nasir Little and Anthony Simons as far as their expanded role off the bench as they develop more. Uh, Anthony Simons, while he's not quite a playmaker, we did see some amazing three-point shooting from him. Surprisingly, he was the worst uh, finisher at the rim on the team. And I was I was a little shocked by that because I feel like I remember him driving in sometimes and didn't look too bad, but apparently was not the most effective. Uh, but who do you think, Chris, between our two young guys in development there, Nasir Little and Anthony Simons, who would you expect to have a bigger role this next season with the roster as it's looking right now even despite you know we've brought in these three other role players here so obviously they're gonna be fighting for minutes but uh anthony and <laughs> i'm getting deluded do you, uh anthony and, and nas who do you have more faith in having a big role for the blazers wow uh gosh i think that's actually a tough question i mean 
I think you look at it and you automatically say Ant just because he had a, a fairly big role last year um, coming off the bench and he's kind of your primary backup uh, point guard. But at the same time, when you stagger those lineups and you have the ability to, you know, for a full season now, you can give Dame a rest and that allows you to t make CJ your, your one. Norm Powell can be your two. So maybe, uh, especially with a full season of Norm, maybe Ant sees some a, a little downtick in minutes. You never know. I think the one that has the chance to really make a difference out of those two though is Nas because I think I look at the lineup and I'm like uh, it, unless you're going to play Derek Jones there I think you try to play him more at the three I, I think Nas is kind of ready made to fill in as that backup four behind Covington right now uh, and he's athletic enough to do that big enough to do that and be able to play the three as well and move him around uh, and so I think that's what you're looking at and and with the way he plays I mean m maybe you mold him into that Draymond Green type right use his athleticism Ooh. to get rebound re rebounds and push the ball and especially as he's he's shown uh, huge improvements in his three-point shooting um, yeah. as well so I mean his mechanics and the way he shot the ball last year so much different than his rookie season. He went so, 28% uh, his rookie season to like 34 point something last year from the three-point arc. And regardless uh, of the percentages, like all you had, I mean, I test on this one, mechanics yeah. and the oh, way... Yeah. The, the way the ball was coming off of his hand and as dumb as it sounds even the, the misses looked better than they did the year prior like it was just a, it was just a huge improvement for Nas uh, so yeah I, th I think he's the one that, that really stands to benefit from the current lineup because like you look at Tony Snell you look at Ben McLemore like the, Ben McLemore depending on how you play like he's a 2-3 Tony Snell is kind of more of a pure 3 um, now Derek Jones Jr. played the 3 last year kind of maybe able to play him at the four i just don't think that's really his position yeah, but i think nos could yeah i think nos can play that power forward spot behind covington take uh mellows minutes absolutely and really have a chance to to blossom given a bigger role we talked last season where uh during a lot of games we talked last season about how mellow was getting too many minutes that should have gone to nas so yeah I, i'm i'm fully in favor of that and, and again we like we said before it was good seeing mellows nice seeing a hall of famer on the blazers and he was effective at times but there were fans complaining that you need to develop nas you need to develop this year a little and he may have missed out some that well he's gonna get it this season i i do think he's gonna be in for a much bigger role and kind of like what you said too Anthony Simons played well, and I do think he's talented, and he's only going to keep getting better. But our the, the positions he plays, we have players that are, are better right now. And if we expect the season to be a good season, not just a development season, Ant's got to be a backup. He's got to stay as kind of that, that alternate uh, or someone that's coming in if we have some health issues, and hopefully that's not the case. Uh, so I also think, I mean, you look at a lot of the trade rumors that go around, you, you tend to always hear his name linked with uh, with name? CJ as, yeah, with with CJ's name as a, a, a young talent that players want. So yeah. I think you got to you gotta keep that uh, in mind as well. And I, I did, you go back to Melo for a second, like I wrote an article for NBC Sports last year, early in the season about how, how uh, Gary Trent Jr. should be playing more minutes than, than Carmelo Anthony. And let me tell you what, boy, did I get blasted by the <laughs> The Carmelo Carmelo Anthony stands about how dumb I was and blah blah. blah. They get to play, they don't you? even play they don't even play the same position and I'm like yeah no shit they <laughs> don't play the, the same point. position but you're also an idiot if you think that 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 taking away five minutes from Melo doesn't mean that a shooting guard can get five more minutes. Exactly. Every, the, the minutes are all intertwined. They're not just this isn't NBA 2K. <laughs> it's not just 
just decided on position where you know oh if if Nurk plays 50 percent of the of the game at center that means only a center can play the other 50 percent at the pot no, that's not how this works like and 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 Mello was great for the Blazers last year as a scorer off the bench, and I would have I, I would still argue all day long that and it, and the thing was I got blasted for it when I wrote the article, and it eventually started to happen where you started to like because to Gary Trent, if you remember early in the year would would go real have really good games and then get a DMP like he was just yep. all over the place with stats, and then he just started to kind of blossom again, and then you start he started to get those big minute games, and yep. then they traded him. <laughs> Still. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm Mellow stands, man. Well, hey, and okay, not and fans of me. Was that? I said Mellow stands. They're not fans of me. <laughs> no, it's it's good to know, man. I, I after our conversation last week with uh, about uh, uh, Mike Mike D'Antoni, I feel like I'm, I need to collect all the places to kind of uh, all the all the triggers, all the things that will kind of set you off. So the the I'm Mellow easily triggered. <laughs> Gary Trent stuff is another one. Um, let me just have a part B on this real quick, and then we'll move on to the final topic I want to hit on here before we get out. Uh, but we talked a little bit about Rocco, Robert Covington, and Norman Powell. They're not new guys like our new role players, and they're not these young developed guys, but this season is going to be kind of different for both these players. and It's going to be kind of more a full season established in their roles, not really having to shift around as much or figuring out where they fit. Who do you think between Covington and Powell is going to play a bigger factor because again i feel like there's an obvious answer but i don't know if it's the right one necessarily hmm. you're trying to convince yourself of roco because because the obvious one's norm right you'd think norm is gonna have no it's i think i i oh really i think it's roco okay think it's Rocco. I, I i think because uh i think he's 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 kind of the, the glue that's going to keep that defense together. Yes, he's not he's not your best one-on-one -on -one defender. I think in the current lineup, I think that's probably Norman Powell, your best like one-on-one. -on -one. I'm going to be able to stay in front of a guy and defend him. But uh, Rocco is your best defender in transition, getting in the passing lanes, getting the hands on the basketball, disrupting passes. Uh, and I think you're going to need to see the best version of Rocco to see the best version of the Blazers. Like, I think, I think you can get away because he, he, he shouldered a big scoring load um, to kind of be that third score. But I think you can get away with Norman Powell having off nights because I think guys like CJ, mm, guys like okay. Dame, yeah. if, if ants, if ants in there, he's going to pick those up. I think you're not going to have an easy time getting away with Rocco oh, having off nights. And that's not necessarily scoring because he's not bringing a ton to the table. He's only scored, you know, a handful of points a game. But if he's having a bad night defensively and, right. then, and now the threes aren't falling, then I think that's where Portland has a hard time recovering. So, yes, you were right. I, was, I think the obvious answer is Norm, and I was trying to convince myself of Rocco, and I, do, and I did. I think, I think Rocco is the answer. I think if he can have an absolutely phenomenal year, the Blazers' success will follow. I hope the mic picks this up, picking up the slow clap. Yes, yes, Chris. <laughs> All right, yes, you did it. There we go. Yeah, that, that was, that's exactly <laughs> what I was talking about, man. It's I, I feel like the the easy answer, if you think about between those two players, who's gonna be the bigger factor? Everyone's gonna think Norm. Uh, oh, <laughs> the slow clap got cue in here. My dog heard that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I totally agree. I think again with some of Billups' comments about wanting to have more of a defensive focus, wanting to make defense a must, make it a requirement, even from players like Dame and CJ, and even if that means sacrificing some of their offense a little bit. To hear him say that, I feel like really does mean they're going to be taking the defense more seriously. And 
Rocco is that kind of player. He's he's the glue, like you exactly how you put it. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 excited, man. I I think it's gonna be. I I'm I, I think he's gonna play a, a pretty big role this year. Oh, that was see I was bobbling here because I was trying to remember what that stat was that I'd heard. Dame the the, the starting lineup that we're gonna have next year of Dame CJ Norman Powell Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic. Small sample last year, obviously because Nurk wasn't around for that much. That was the ninth best defense in the NBA, I think, in, in uh, some sort of metric. I don't remember exactly what it was. It might have been just total net rating or defensive rating, but there were numbers out there basically putting next year's starting lineup for the Blazers as a top 10 defensive unit. Obviously, that doesn't account for the bench that we're going to have to deal with, and we know that our bench is, as we said earlier, lackluster. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's that's got to feel good. And I do feel like Robert Covington is a huge part of what's going to make that defense effective if we can get it up there in the top 10 again. Yeah, absolutely. And you've already added you've already added Larry Nance Jr. and uh, Cody Zeller, who, like we said before, is better defensively yep. than Ennis Cantor. So now your bench is already better there. I think if you're going to play Nas uh, uh, at the four a lot, I think that's that's good. Defense. Maybe not a better all around better player than Carmelo because Carmelo can still get his buckets. Don't get right, that twisted. Right. People uh, people knocked on him when he he'd have an off shooting night, which is just crazy to me because it's like oh. Mello goes four for 15 and everyone loses their mind. Dame goes four for 15 and it's like, <laughs> Oh, it's fine. He'll be, it's, it's Dame. Like, well, part like, of it was no. where Mello was getting the shots. I, from. I, where I know, it, but, but I'm just saying Dame, like Mello can still, still score there. Yeah. But I think Nas is going to be good defensively there. Go back to your earlier point. You know, Chauncey build up saying he wanted to find more corner threes. It's yep. not a better three to shoot than that corner. three. Yeah. The, the only person who could take a 35 foot, shot and make it a better shot than a corner three is is you know dame and well i guess people the only people dame and steph curry right yep, like yeah eh, maybe, maybe no, just go with dame. in there we, too no yeah. no no we, we, this list doesn't no, i gotta i gotta get, go i gotta with... i gotta give steph his dues no right? no he, his his i don't know who steph is that name like on, on this podcast in trailcaster land it is, it's just about yeah. dame he's just okay but, but here's the thing and i and i okay i get what you're <laughs> saying i i get what you're saying about not shooting the three but even then like like I can't wrap my head around even in the playoffs. Like, okay, if the three-point shot is such a big part of of getting minutes in there and how good you play your defense doesn't matter, like, why was Derek Jones Jr. getting DMPs and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was playing? There you go. Like, That's a very because good point, Because Rondé Hollis-Jefferson Hollis cannot shoot the three ball at all. <laughs> He's a good defender, and he was able to come in and use his size to play yeah. Cantor's minutes at the five, but at the same time, I feel like you could have put Derek Jones in there and played those minutes just as just as well. So I, I think that's it, just it though. It's just the size. It was it was the lineup that we had, the lack of size we had, and a slightly bigger body. But yeah, it's I'm but, with but you. a slightly bigger body. He's like Rondé Hollis Jefferson is an inch taller and seven pounds heavier. That's not that much. Oh, of is a it difference. that slight? Is that how slight it is? He looks like according it's so to Bass. According wow. to Basketball <laughs> Reference, Rondé Hollis Jefferson is six six two seventeen. Derek Jones Jr. is 6'5", 210. Wow. I did not realize he was that close. That is way less than I would have thought. Uh, With an obvious better vertical. Oh, yeah. More, ath yeah. more athleticism. Way the only, bigger. The only stat I don't have is like their their wingspan, which which could come into play. But but I mean, again, Derek Jones was a defender, though. So even if Rondé had a better wingspan, you knew DJ was effective. It's, he knew yeah. he was effective. That's so, a strange yeah, it's, one. It, it was it was weird to me. So I think if he if he gets back to the form that you that you know 
what you saw of them. And to me, it's all about playing guys where they're comfortable and filling those roles. When you're playing them in roles that they're just obviously not built for, then, then you're you're not asking for success. You're kind of yeah. asking for failure. Yeah. Derek Jones Jr. coming off the bench, playing limited minutes, like that's not going to hurt you. Derek Jones Jr. being your starting three is 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 not the best situation. Yeah. So. That's yeah, my it's, it's not as far as square peg round hole, but yeah, it's just not the right fit. Speaking of fit, that's a. I guess that segue kind of made sense. The Blazers had a uh, their their schedule has been released. I guess most of the NBA schedules have been released, but the uh, John Schumann of NBA.com did a bit of a summary. And when you look at the Blazers' schedule coming up here, this is not look like a clear skies ahead chris blazers blazer one- schedule available <laughs> on root sports northwest oh how way. dare you <laughs> Has- hashtag where i root <laughs> oh no oh that's weird that's gonna be weird to get used to saying <laughs> john schumann of nba.com has the blazers as one of only three teams playing eight games in the first 12 nights of the season so Four nights off in nearly the first two weeks, essentially, for, for them. And that's, you know, you're not going to have any time for practices. Uh, if Portland starts poorly on this, as we've seen them do in previous seasons to start out, the questions are going to, like, just get amped up quick. All the questions about Billups coaching, about uh, roster fit, the role players, all the rest of it. Uh, and let me just throw on top here for a little more icing. In addition to those uh, eight games in the first 12 nights, the Blazers have officially, according to Schumann, the toughest first 20 games in the NBA this season. Our opponents through the first 20 will have a cumulative win percentage of 54%. It includes three games against the Clippers, two against the Nuggets, two against the Sixers, two against the Suns, as well as a game against the Grizzlies, Warriors, and the Lakers. There are five back-to-backs in our first 20 games. So literally, maybe my math is wrong here, Five back-to-backs, that's 10 games involved. So half of our first 20 games will be played without a day of rest before them. That's that's, that's a brutal. crazy brutal start for, for a season. That's brutal. And you look at the schedule right now, it's actually kind of weird, but it's like they play a they, – they play – like and look at they're so clumped together. Yeah. Like they play a ba- they play a back to back on October thirty first and November first. Day off, game on the third, day off, back to back against the Pacers and the Lakers. Then they get two days off and then go back to back against the Clippers and the Suns. So it's like a back to back break back to back. Oh, day off, then against the Rockets, day off, and then a back to back against the Nuggets and, <laughs> and, and the Raptors. So it's like that. Oh, and that back-to-back is is an awful one because it's uh, at Denver and then at home. So it's a back-to-back with a travel day, as the other two back-to-backs were uh, both for home or both for away. So that's not a friendly schedule at all. It is not. Three games against the Clippers in your first 11 games. So, yeah, not not the best situation there. And like you said, two games against the Suns, so the defending Western Conference champions – Obviously, the Lakers in there. You got the ca- you got the Cavs, the Hornets, and the, uh, the Rockets to balance it out. But the rest of that is, uh, yeah, the, the much improved Chicago Bulls, the 76ers twice. Like, yeah, not a great schedule. I mean, like, I guess maybe we can hope that with the Clippers, we're playing the Clippers three times before November. Our third game against the Clippers is November 9th. That's insane. But I, I guess we could hope uh, that, you know, early on in the season maybe Kawhi isn't healthy or isn't playing games maybe Paul George is not maybe their roster is just not fully set because that's what that team has kind of shown some uh, some shown some history to do 
Uh, so I guess feasibly we could get lucky, but at the same time, so it's, cra it's crazy to think that if the Clippers are going to be in like middle of the Western Conference and maybe if Blazers, if we do well, could be in a similar spot, maybe competing for seeding, and our entire matchup is going to have finished before December. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So fun fact, though, uh, that first game of the year, unless I'm wrong here, and we have to cut this entire part out, but that first game of the year, home against Sacramento. Uh-huh. Right? October 20th against the Kings. Yep. It's a big deal. That's a, a that's a real big deal. You know why? Why is that? It may sound wrong, but that is the official return game for Maurice Harkless. Oh, really? When Harkless is playing with the Kings now. I did not even think Harkless, about that. Harkless is playing with the Kings, but since he left Portland, he has not returned to Portland. Right. That's right. I he saw was, that. He was. He. He. he Remember, he was he started uh, with the Clippers, and they were not supposed to play their first game at Portland until I believe was the last home game of the year in 2019. But then the bubble happened, so he didn't get to return. Last year, he got traded to the Knicks before he his team came wow. to Portland, and by the time he got <laughs> or, or he got traded, uh, they had already. Uh, the Knicks had already come. Maybe I'm playing this all out wrong, but this is how it all happened. Yeah, and so he has not come to Portland yet. In two full In, seasons, he hasn't played. Yeah. But, wow. Alpha Rukaminu has not played a game. He came. The, right? the Magic came, but he didn't play. He's. I mean, he's not signed to a team right now. But Myers Leonard did not get his return game. Like, <laughs> a, 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 of all those, of all those, uh, all those trades and everything. Now, I think they, like I think Seth Curry came back. Seth like, Curry Evan, played. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Evan Turner ended up leaving. Like, yeah, so I'm That's pretty funny, sure man. that is the official Maurice Harkless return game. The most Sharkless return, October 20th against the Kings. Man, I gotta, I gotta see if I'm gonna have tickets for that. Now that we know the Blazers will be vaccinated or that they require vaccinations, I wanna see if I can go to that game. See the Mo Harkless return. Man, exciting. How could you be more Burkhart than to point that out? No, okay. How could you be more Harkless? <laughs> Excellent. Well, good, man. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I come in here with the, some some doom and gloom about the schedule release uh, to end the pod, and you turn it around. You turn some silver lining on that motherfucker, and you show us that the Mo Harkless return game is right around the corner. I love it. Well, that's it, Mr. Burkhart. That's really all I had this week. Uh, or, you know, thank you. I, I, we Again, we had the delays to... I was all worried the other day that we wouldn't have enough to talk about, and here we are, what, hour and change once again into the pod. I think it, we have once again proven you and I can it, talk about just about anything. If there's if there's blazers involved, we can spin that thing around a couple times and, and use a good afternoon. It's what we do, baby. It's what we do. Also, what we do is uh, me being disorganized and spending half that afternoon not getting to the pod yet. You know, we, we get there eventually. We uh, we we. We uh, we we do or do not. There is no try, and then we do it live to throw all of our memes together in one nice. Yep, race. exactly. We'll do it live. <laughs> but if you have any hate tweets or any uh, horrible, uh, uh, offensive tweets to send, send them to Christopher J Burkhardt on Twitter. If you have any beautiful, nice things to say, send them over to at Trailcasters. We'll take all of your in-depth, deep questions at Trailcasters at gmail.com. And also, guys, if you didn't catch the last one. This is episode 151. We just passed 150 episodes. I am stoked. It's taken us four years to get here, but we are going to keep turning these out. And for the next 150, 
We need your opinion. In fact, Chris, I want some of your opinion too. I'm going to pick in your brain about how to make this podcast better. But listeners, don't let it just be up to Chris. Don't let him just be the only one telling me. (laughs) No, you cannot remove me from the podcast to make it better. Uh, Listeners, I won't listen to you saying that either. So just don't, don't even send that one in. But if you have other ideas about how to make it better, more or less music, uh, more guests, uh, going back to listener questions, let us know. We want all of your advice. Let's make this the best Trailcasters pod possible in the in the what if universe of trail of blazers pods uh mcu reference no okay getting in there <laughs> uh and before i sputter all the way out let's call this a day in closing your own <laughs> in closing your honorable listeners that's it that's our show thank you chris burkhardt thank you odar for these fat beats and thank you listeners for a great listening as always we hope you enjoy your blazers your rip city basketball and our latest episode Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters, where maybe Chris will do the outro this time, since he's done the intro before. Now we get you, got to get you on the other end too. We get there. Word. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. At, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tweet this. What are yeah, you I'm looking it up. No, I'm looking it up on Basketball Reference to verify. It. And yeah, he didn't. Hasn't played in Portland. Played Portland twice with the Clippers, but they were both in L.A. Then, like I said, got traded. Did, did, none of that happened. Did not play Portland while he was with Miami. That was actually the day he got traded. He was not with the team when Portland took a trip to Miami. And then the next next night, he was in Sacramento, and they had already made their trip to Portland. So, yeah, this will be his first. <laughs> that is wild. 